This is the Photo Experiment Podcast, brought to you by PhotoBiz X. This is the Photography Experiment Podcast, episode number 17. And today's special guest is UK wedding photographer Craig George. You might think he's a little bit crazy because he's giving up on digital photography for his wedding photography business and moving to film. That's right. He's giving up digital and going to film. We're going to explore all that and more in today's episode with Craig. Craig George might be a familiar name to you, particularly if you are a PhotoBizX listener. I did interview Craig back in episode 140. He rose super fast, you know, from, from having no bookings to 100% booked solid and doing a ridiculous amount of weddings in no time at all after running a Groupon ad. If you do want to check out that interview, you can find it in the archives over at photobizx.com. This episode of the podcast is sponsored by Snap, the photography festival come retreat, come party. It's happening at the end of April, so it's coming up soon. I'm going to tell you more about the Snap Photo Festival later in the show. But now, let's talk to Craig. Craig, how's it going, mate? <laughs> Very good. I thought, oh, where is he? He's forgotten. No, not at all. I even I posted about. It. I had a wedding yesterday, so it was. Uh, I've got a little bit of a wedding hangover this morning, as you can hear in my bassy voice. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was your special podcast radio voice. <laughs> That's just how I talk. You know, you don't hear your own voice, do you? And then when you become aware of it, you become aware of it. It's, <laughs> it's really bad. So, <laughs> I'll try and talk. A bit higher. <laughs> well, you carry on as you are, mate. It's, uh, it's perfect. How how you been? How's things? Well, it's been about a year to the month. When did I speak to you last? Was it last October? Uh, well, it was episode 140, and I'm up to episode 200. So, mate, that's 160 weeks, isn't it? No, sorry, yeah. I'm, no, 60 weeks. A year, 60 weeks. A year ago. Yeah, it was about a year ago. I remember I was sat in a, a little French chateau. <laughs> I spoke to you last. I remember it well. Obviously, you do them every week, so it's a little less apparent to you. But yeah, it was about a year ago. Mate, I still remember the conversation clearly because we talked a lot about you getting started with Groupon and all the destination weddings and working with the function coordinators in France that really sort of got you going. Yeah, it's been an incredible year. I've made a huge shift just the last three months in my mind. So I went through a separation with my partner about the time I spoke to you last year. And of course, off the back of that, I um, just threw everything. I thought it was it was easier to throw everything into work. And I've shot 78 weddings this year. On your own? Yeah, just me. Yeah. You know, 40 of those, 45 of those have been in France as well. So the travel logistics is just ridiculous. But I didn't even consciously think it was the good thing to do. It's just what happened, you know. It's just take on work, go go and work and throw yourself into that. And I got the end of September. Yeah, about the end of September. And I'd done maybe seven weddings in nine days at one point during September. And it just got too much. And I had a little bit of a wobble where I wasn't, I just wasn't loving what I was doing at all. Um I was driving over to one of those weddings. It was about an hour's trip from where I was staying in France over to where I was shooting. And I always put the podcast on when I go. I always put your podcast on in the car in my little headphones when I'm driving in France because there's no radio. or Not that that's the reason I enjoy listening to it. You know? And I listened to Jen Huang's podcast and it just set something off inside me. 
something reignited that I wanted to take up film again from the last couple of years. I've always thought about it around Christmas time. I thought, shall I make the switch? Shall I make the switch? And this year it was like, I listened to Jen and thought, I can do it. And we'll go into the reasons, I presume, over the course of the next year. When I saw your post, I mean, first of all, I saw it pop up on Instagram and it was a bit of a, what do you call it, clickbaity? It was clickbaited. It was clickbaited. <laughs> it was complete. Because I do listen to your podcast, you know, and I listen to people that talk about SEO and creating <laughs> people that say you should create interesting titles and things like that. And it's right, isn't it? You know, there's so much attention out there. And this is called probably key, actually, to moving forward. It's so noisy out there. It's so noisy. And everybody's attention is through their phone. Everybody's attention is online. You know, even if you're watching a program at home with your wife, when the adverts come on, if you haven't got the ability to fast forward, you reach for your phone. And because we need to be, we need to be entertained. And most people are being entertained by social media. It's just the way it is. It's the way that life is. It's the way the world is. And you can't combat that. You've got to accept it and move your marketing towards it, I think. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. Tell me about this clickbaity post that you decided to put up and run with. Yeah, so I decided in October that I wanted to switch to photography and I didn't know how to tell the world. I didn't know how to approach it. I didn't know how people were going to take it for a start, especially clients that have already sort of booked for next year. I didn't know how they were going to read it. But I've got this I've got this desire to write. You know, I listen to a lot of your Spencer Lum podcasts and he's somebody that inspires me and I've actually done a couple of his workshops. When he does his meetings and he'll go through the chats and stuff like that, I find him really inspiring and he just knows and he's helped my sales no end. My sales experience is now all about the client rather than all about me and that's where I was making a mistake on personal sales before. So I've implemented a lot of that and that's had a huge impact. Um, And I've gone off subject now. Again, sorry, Andrew. That's all right, because I was talking about the Instagram post and there's a shot of a bride in a field. She's got her hands on her hip there holding a bouquet. It's in black and white. And in bold yeah. text over the top, it says, I've decided to stop. Yeah. That was to get people intrigued. There's nothing else. It is what it is. And, and obviously... Yeah. Did it work? Did you get lots of eyes on your blog post? Yeah, I think it generated about five, 600 reads on my website. You know, traffic is traffic, right? And it obviously got me X amount of followers and it got me... So it's just about building the brand. It's about building the followers everywhere that I could possibly can. I've just started a YouTube channel and stuff like that. So I just think that you have to have a presence these days to be able to cut through the noise. And that's a big reason for my switch to film. I really would love to pin you down on what is the reason. I mean, was it because you're overworked? Was it because you're looking for a change? Is it because you're looking to stand out and have a point of difference? Like, Why go back to film? All of the above. All of the above. Yeah. I mean, I shoot for myself. As I said in the blog post, I have to shoot for myself. I have to love what I'm doing. Otherwise... By the very nature of it, I'm doing a disservice to my clients, right? And I know that sounds hugely pretentious, but it's really not. It's me that's doing this job every day. It's me that has to be inspired to put my feet on a cold floor at 6 a.m. and go out and work. And I have to love what I'm doing. If I don't, then I'm I'm not giving the best that I can possibly give, right? Sure. But why does digital photography become you know, the bad guy here? Why isn't it because you're shooting too many weddings or doing too much travel? No, it's not the bad guy at all. For me, there's got to be more to it. It's not become easy because there's always technical challenges that I can push myself forward for through digital photography. The worry that I have and the process that set me off on the thinking path was so many photographers are now joining the market. It's becoming massively easy to at least get to a standard where you can go out and have the belief to shoot weddings. And I see it 
because I'm in the industry, you, you know yourself, Andrew, you see it. You're in that industry. You see it all the time. And there's more and more photographers coming through. There's more and more. I read an article the other day, an iPhone 7 against a £10,000 Leica, I think, an out-of-camera. They couldn't tell the difference between the two. So are we really photographers or are we turning up at weddings and getting our images to a stage where they're at now editable to turn into our photos? So I do question whether that's actually a photography level or are we manipulating data in order to produce a photo? And this is only my personal view and I'm not... You know, I've built a career on digital photography, so I'm not going to sit here and badmouth it. That's not what I'm doing at all. I just need a little bit more for me. I need to be more of an artist. So taking up the medium of film photography and learning that so that I'm able to produce beautiful work is a challenge that, I, one, I want and two, I need in my life to potentially feed what I need to feed inside me, do you know? So it's not that one is bad and, and one is good, but I need to separate myself from the masses, I think, to be able to feel as if I'm providing value to clients that want to pay me the money I want. Do you see what I mean? Yeah, I do, I do. First of all, what have you told the clients that you've already got booked in for next year? Are you shooting film for them? And what has their reaction been? So I've spoken to most of them at the moment. I'm still waiting on a reply from a couple of them, but I sent them all an individual email and said, look, this is what I'm doing and this is how I want to proceed. But obviously you've booked under the pretense that I now shoot digital and I'm happy to continue to do that if that's what you so wish. So I think 2017 is going to be a little bit of a hybrid year for me, but that's good. That's fine with me because it just gives me another year to really get on top of the film stuff and put it into action. I mean, I've been shooting some film at weddings over the last few months and I'm in the process of putting those through the lab out in Canada. So hopefully that will be fine. But it's had about an 80% return rate on they want to switch to film. So the existing clients that booked you under a digital package are happy for you to shoot film, 80% of them? Yeah. Wow. Fantastic. And I guess the obvious question or the question they would have asked would be, still get a digital file, or did they even think to ask that? It was the overriding question back, yes. We still want our photos digitally. Uh, so Because it was obvious to me that that's how they were going to get them anyway, because obviously they get scanned in when it gets developed. That was obvious to me, and it's something that I hadn't thought of as not being obvious to potential clients. So that's a good education thing that I need to put out there now, that they're still going to get digital files because it's obviously important to people. It's just the process of taking the picture that has changed. It's not the deliverable, in a sense, apart from the quality of the image, in my opinion. Before you talked about you know, having to stay true to yourself and stay creative and feel and be like an artist, and then you talked about... you know. Are we pushing pixels around? Is that all we're really doing? So won't you be doing the same if you're shooting film, having a scan and then playing around with those pixels? I don't intend on um, digitally editing any of the photos that come back. There's some very good labs out there, Canada Film Lab and just to mention one. And they work with you in the beginning to get your developing and scans done to your taste. So, yeah, there is a bit of a crossover, and I'm sure that you could come up with the argument that, well, they're doing exactly the same. It's hard to explain. It's just in my gut that I need to go and do this. I'm a bit of a nostalgic chap, you know. I shoot on Super <laughs> 8 video, and I just get more feel out of it, and I, therefore I feel as if I'm producing a photograph, and it's going back to my roots as my father was a printer. And So it's just simply for the love of doing it. But the film lab's 
I'm not going to edit those. They're going to scan in and I will, maybe I'll crop them. But in terms of coloring and in terms of filters and anything like that, there'll be none of that. They will just be sent off in a digital gallery and then they'll get a set of prints to go with that. And I'll have the negative files back here and I can start keeping big files of uh, big books of negative scans, <laughs> which will be amazing. Beautiful, beautiful. Mate, you must have looked at the cost of changing over and the number of files you're delivering when you're shooting digitally compared to what you're going to be delivering shooting film. Have you weighed all that stuff up? Yeah, massively. It's not a very good business idea. <laughs> <laughs> so are you sticking to the same prices? I've adapted them slightly. I've adapted them slightly for clients moving forward, and that's been going really well in terms of my pricing. So I've got three collections now, and they start at £2,000, and they go up to £5,000, based on what they want as a deliverable at the end. Okay. What's the middle package, Craig? Uh, so that's 3500 Okay, and what are you expecting to deliver or what will they be getting for three and a half thousand pounds, which is really, what is that, seven thousand Australian dollars and probably, well, I'm guessing here, around six thousand US dollars? Yeah, it's about half, I think, for Australian dollars. So, not much really. They get me for the day and that's all shot on film, obviously. So, they get all their files digitally delivered, i.e., the scans, they get copies of those. So, they'll still get their 350, 400 images from the day and then they get a small album and a box of 50 print and that's what you get for three and a half thousand. I'm guessing the work that you're putting in on the back end will be reduced quite a bit. So you have the front end cost of the film, but you have a low back end cost as far as time. Yeah. Yeah. And it it just means that I get a skill out of it, which is essentially what I want. I want to progress as a human being. You know, I need to challenge myself a little bit. So that's the route I'm going down. And it's good fun. It's amazing. It's amazing fun. Learning new tricks all the time, running rolls of film through. It was funny. I, I took my little daughter out. She's 10. In fact, she's 11. She just turned 11. And a couple of months ago, we went out and I was running a Tri-X rolled a 35 mil through and she wanted a go and of course I'm going to give her a go I set it all up for her and she looked at the as soon as she took the shot and she took the shot wound it on and looked at the back of the camera which was amazing <laughs> I love that so have you settled on film stock yet or are you still playing and, and deciding on what you're going to be using for the weddings I think I'm there I think I'm there I'm using the Fuji 400 H and the Tri-X how did you come to settle on those so the Tri-X I always knew because I've always played around with film cameras personally a little bit, you know. I'd love the Tri-X because it's a little bit contrasty, and I just like the look of it. The grain is lovely, so it, that was always an obvious black-and-white choice for me. The colour I had to play around with a little bit, so I did get inspired by Jen. She uses 400H, I presume, and I started doing a little bit of research into the colour terms I liked, and I looked at film labs and their scans on different film stock because it's expensive it's expensive to go out and just try a roll do you know what i mean it's going to cost me i worked out it costs about a pound which is two dollars a click from when you buy the stock to getting it back as a scan it takes about two dollars per shot that's pretty scary (laughs) yeah you learn to be frugal with your shots but you learn to be patient put it that way and it's amazing you don't take half the photos that you would have taken on a digital shot it's just because that little niggly $2, $2 is in the back of your head every time you're about to press the button. Obviously, that's not what you're thinking, but it's definitely there. And you think, is it worth using? So it it just changes the way you approach your photography. And that's just interesting to me. I don't think it's a better or worse thing. I think it's just interesting that I would have taken that shot if it was on digital. And therefore, I maybe would have got something rather than I take the shot and know I either did or know I either didn't. You know, it's not wasteful. 
and that just appeals to me as a person. I mean, that's. Oh, I think it's exciting, mate. I think it's fantastic. And look, I know you mentioned Super Eight there and YouTube. I'm, I'm going to talk about those in just a little while, or, or bring them up with you. But just sticking with the film, I mean, when I interviewed Jen, you know, she talked about using a digital camera for the reception, or if the light was a bit tricky. You know, are you thinking the same thing? Yeah. So I'm going to always. I'm not going to sell off my. So I've got my Canon 5D Mark III that I've had for the last two years, and she's still going strong, so she'll always be in my bag. You've got to be, you know, if you're dealing with weddings, you've got to be belt and braces, right? So you've got to be, you know, one of the cameras might jack in or something like that. So I've got to have something as a backup. I'm not irresponsible with somebody's wedding. That's not what I want to be at all. So that will always be in the bag. But I shot a wedding yesterday on digital all day long, and, you know, it's a winter wedding. It's pitch black i know it's the middle of summer out there out here it's pitch black by 3 30 in the afternoon and they're not coming out of a ceremony until 2 30 so but i managed to get away with it all day without putting a flash on so i've shot natural light forever it's all i've ever done so i'm pretty okay with dark light conditions and i'd like to see that there's a little bit more dynamic range in the film so hopefully we can bring that through and see what we produce i'm not going to conform to what should be produced it's about me putting an artwork onto people's weddings that's what they booked me for if they're slightly dark, if they're slightly different to what is perceived to be the norm, well, that's exactly what I'm doing. I'm trying to break away from the norm and trying to think of it from a different angle these days. Cool. Take me back to, I think you said it was October, when you decided you know, you've had enough, you want to make this change, and you think, okay, film is the way to go forward. Do you go and talk to an accountant? Do you bounce the idea off someone? Do you think, I'm just going to try this and see what happens? Like, talk me through the thought process. Yeah, I'd had a busy year, so I had a little bit of money sitting around, and I went out and bought a Hasselblad. (laughs) (laughs) As you do, as you do. So you're going to be shooting medium format as well for these weddings. Yeah, so I'm shooting a Hasselblad 500C for sort of portraits and detail. And then I've got a couple of 35 mils. So I've got an Olympus OM-1, which is beautiful, by the way. And if we were on video Skype, if you've got actual internet in Australia, you'd be able to see it. <laughs> and I'm just shooting on a couple of Canon's AE1s, which are brilliant. They're just absolutely bulletproof. So to run the 35 mils through, and they're great. They're absolutely great. I've got one with a 35 to 70 mil on it, and then the other one is just a 50 mil, which is what I shoot 90% of the time anyway, you know. Yeah, right. Okay, so you get these new cameras, the Hasselblad and the Olympus and the Canons. Yeah. Is there any business considerations behind these decisions or you just think I've got to do this? And whatever happens, happens. If I take a hit in my bookings, so be it. Or you don't even think that's going to come into it. Do you know what, Andrew? I've got to a point where I've done really well for myself over the last couple of years and it doesn't feed, you know, financially speaking, and it doesn't feed my soul the way that I need to continue moving on. So it's kind of irrelevant at this stage. Obviously, I'd like it to be successful financially, and I'd like to build a strong income off the back of shooting on film, but I need to find out what it's about before and then adapt as I go along, I think. So I've done the basic maths, and I know that it's going to cost me a lot of money to now shoot a wedding, but I think the personal aspect of that far outweighs the financial gains. So it's yet to be determined over this next year, I think. What's your gut feel? I mean, you said earlier that, and I agree with you, you know, yeah, the more you stand out or the more you differentiate yourself from other photographers, the more chance you've got of being noticed amongst all the noise, which probably means more bookings and possibly even higher sales or maybe even higher prices. Is that your gut feel? I think that is my gut feel, but I don't think it's going to happen for the next year or two. So I don't think it's going to happen in this next 12 months. Certainly not for me as a business, but I think the market is going that way. I think as a photographer... 
it's becoming so saturated and so noisy. I mean, just look through Instagram for an hour. The photography that you see on there is just mind-blowing and phenomenal, and it's all produced digitally in the main. How do you compete with that? How does a bride that wants a set of wedding pictures believe in a value other than um, everybody's going to be competing about against everybody and because everybody is so good at digital photography then the price is going to drop right because everybody wants the work and I just worry that that's going to be the benchmark so I'm trying to cut myself away from that not because it's a better medium but because it would be a perceived better value by a potential client this is what he does differently therefore I'm willing to pay him more or I can ask for more or I can just, yeah, it's just setting myself apart. That's all. And providing a personal value so that I believe in what I'm saying is different. And I only have to appeal to 50 clients a year. It's not as if I have to appeal to everybody. And I'm just trying to step away from the, the quagmire because it's everywhere. Mate, you said something pretty interesting then because, you know, we're talking about standing out on Instagram. And like you said, if you go through the feed, you are blown away with the quality that's there. So are you thinking that your photography will stand out because you're shooting film or are you thinking you can stand out because of what you can say about shooting film, you know, in the copy on your website, how are clients going to see this value or where are you going to find them in what way? The way that I shoot and you know, cause we've been friends for a year now and we follow each other's work, etc. But I shoot with as much, I try and get soul into a photo. There has to be some sort of element other than it just being a photograph. It has to be a deep, dark, or a grainy black and white, something that makes you feel emotive in some shape or form. And from a from just a looking at a photograph, as me looking at somebody, you know, Joe Bloggs' photograph, that might not appeal to me, but if you if you're in the emotion of booking a wedding, people book me and I hear it almost on every inquiry, your images have something else. There's a depth to them that is personal. So because I think brides are potentially in that mindset while they're booking, they're, they're feeling very emotional anyway. They've been, you know, they're about to embark on getting married and they're in that sort of zone. They can see what I'm producing, how that photo, because it's a bit grainy, because it's a bit depth, because it's not super sharp or in focus, it's a bit soft and people buy into that. And I, I've always tried to emulate film. That's all I've ever tried to do when I look back at it. You know, when I've edited my photos, I'm putting a bit of grain on there or I'm making them a little bit more contrasty in my black and whites and trying to add that depth into them. So why don't I just go and shoot film? This is my question because I look back through your feed and like I said, we've been following each other and I'm looking at your work, you know, every time you post and I think this looks like film. So I'm wondering when you go to film, your photos probably won't look a lot different to what you're putting out there now. So this sounds to me like this is purely personal and there's almost no thinking or thought for the client. It is. Uh, well, no, it is a lot of, it's driven from a personal standpoint. Of course it is. I think you'd have to be a better man than I to do it for anybody else. But why am I not shooting film if I'm trying to make my photographs look like film? That's my thought. Why am I sitting at a computer for four hours a day, editing 78 weddings a year, and trying to emulate them into film? Why didn't I just not learn how to shoot film? And that's the point that I come through. It just doesn't make any sense to me. And then the client is actually getting the true product of what I'm trying to produce rather than trying to be something that it's not. Yeah, I love it, mate. I think it's going to be awesome. I'm looking forward to seeing what you produce.
I mentioned earlier, this episode of the podcast is sponsored by the Snap Photo Festival, and it is so much more than a workshop. It's, it's a creative retreat. It's aimed at wedding and lifestyle photographers, and there are a bunch of different workshops and activities happening over a four-day period. And the idea is that you come away inspired and with a new outlook on your photography and your business. Now, included in the four days, it's not a sit-down and watch people speak at you and to you for four days straight. There are talks, yes. There are workshops. There are live shoots. There are business sessions. There are trips to the beach and loads of other great stuff. The idea is that you are stimulated, your mind is stretched, and your imagination pushed, and you come away reinvigorated and ready to hit the rest of the year super hard. Now, it's happening in a forest. Yes, you heard that correctly, in a forest in Wales in the UK. They go from the 24th to the 28th of April 2017, and you'll find there is a range of different options for tickets based on the accommodation that you choose. But what you will find is everything is included. There's four nights accommodation, you get breakfast, lunch and dinner, as well as tea, coffee and refreshments and cake each day. You get access to the full program of workshops, of which there are 15 of them. There's going to be live music, an epic party night and a whole load of other events and activities. Like it is, it's full on. (laughs) It's so different to just your regular photography workshop. To give you a bit of an idea of how the days will run, There are keynote talks, and they go for about two hours. Everyone will attend these together. So everyone at Snap will be there for those keynote talks. And in between those keynotes, there's going to be a whole load of workshops and practical sessions that you get to choose from. And you'll also have free time to go exploring, making friends, networking, chilling out. That's all part of it. And more than anything, you are encouraged to bring your camera and shoot. Now, you don't have to, but you're encouraged to do that you'll get the chance to shoot at the practical sessions. You'll be in a fantastic environment with friends and other photographers. The guys at Snap want you to be taking photos. That's what this is all about. This is a chance to push yourself, your creativity, and work on your business at the same time. If you want to learn more about what's happening, the itinerary, who the speakers are, head over to snapphotofestival.com. All the information is there in that one place. If you do register, don't forget to use the promo code SNAP100, which will get you 100 British pounds off the cost of any ticket that you purchase. So that's SNAP100. And again, all the details are at snapphotofestival.com. And I said this in the past, if I had the chance to go to one workshop this year, it'd be this one. This one sounds fantastic. This just, yeah. Did I mention there's campfires as well? (laughs) It sounds so good. All right, snapphotofestival.com. Go and check it out. If you can get there, get there. It sounds like it's going to be just amazing. Tell me about the Super 8 stuff because I saw the first, well, the first one I've ever seen you do with his Paris wedding and someone sums it up better than me. I saw a post on Instagram, John Barry Photography. He says, next freaking level. <laughs> it's awesome, mate. Who's shooting this? Is this you? Yeah, yeah. In conjunction cool. with shooting stills or you have someone else helping you? How are you doing this? No, so it's just me on an old cine camera. I use an old Canon XL814, I think it is. And it's from the, it's like the late 70s, early 80s, I believe. I'd, Parents used to shoot video on it. It's amazing. It's got a, a roll of film in there. It's 50-foot film. It takes cartridges of 50-foot film, and they're basically just smaller than 8mm. 
And can you still buy this film? Yeah, yeah, you can buy them on, just look for a, in fact, let me just grab a cartridge so I can give you the exact details of it. But it's a black and white Tri-X film. Yeah, so it's a Kodak Tri-X reversible film, and the code is 266. I can send you a link if you want. But you can pick them up for about, well, it'll be $40, your side. But that's for a 15-meter or 50-foot spool. So how much time does that equate to? Is that like a seven-minute video? No, no, no. So one roll, if you're shooting it at either 18 or 24 frames a second, depending on what sort of look you want. But they're the two standard frame rates, 18 or 24 frames per second. That will give you about 2 minutes 30 in total film time. Okay, so this little video that you've put together on YouTube is three or four rolls of film. It's two rolls. Oh, okay. Yeah, and then they have to go off and get developed, (laughs) which is pretty hard to find but there's a couple of companies in london and i think they send it out to be developed in germany and then they have to be telecined so they have to be digitized for me to be able to edit and put it together but in terms of coloring in terms of the visual there's nothing edited on that film at all apart from me cutting and putting it together in terms of frames you know what was the cost then of getting the developing and the scanning done uh, so i did it for a friend because a friend of mine is a filmmaker in uh, france said, Craig, I just need that in my life. Where can I get the stuff? So I broke it all down for him. But it's about £60 a roll from purchasing the film to getting it back as a a telecine. So, yeah, about $120 a roll. So it's not cheap, but it's so beautiful, right? And I think people will fall in love with it. It's unreal. It's so good. It's a brand. But that's in my top package, if you wanted to know. (laughs) I absolutely love it, mate. Who is not going to want this? This is just fantastic. I love even you know, having the couple when they're walking or even individually walking through the frame and that sort of staccato sort of a look. It looks awesome. It's just so good. And the colour, everything. It's beautiful. So are you doing little snippets of this through the day while you're shooting? Yeah, that's what I do. I did one yesterday at a wedding that I did in Swansea. So I had a nice local wedding, which didn't mean get on a plane yesterday. It was lovely. They had one as well. So I shot it yesterday. So, yeah, I've just got my – because I only shoot with the one – camera stills camera so in my bag then is uh, the super 8 camera as well and i'll sort of switch between the two so if they're walking down the aisle or something like that then i'll pick them off and but because it's only a, essentially the video will only be a four minute video you don't really need to shoot that much footage to be able to put that together you know it's not like a, a traditional wedding film it's like a whole movie like somebody at the wedding has shot it but a little bit better hopefully and then obviously set a bit of music but there's no sound there's no logistics with this it's only the size of a as a stills camera really so it's not a huge issue. You've just got to get into the set of I'm doing both because otherwise you get caught up in just taking photographs or, you know, you've got to remind yourself. So I often write on my hand in big Sharpie film. So I remember to take some frames on that as well. But you can shoot for a couple of seconds and then put it back in the bag and then you shoot for another couple of seconds. And when you go out and do portraits, you can do a little bit of both. And, you know, it soon adds up and then you've got a beautiful story to put together at the end and people love it. Oh, it is. It is just so good. I'll link to this in the show notes for this episode so the listener can go and check it out. Oh, perfect. Mate, one thing we didn't talk about last time I interviewed you a year ago is children at home. Is that a new thing or did I just miss that altogether last time? No, it is a new thing. It's not something that I've ever shouted about. I've done it for sort of friends and family. Um, I say family, just close friends. And obviously if they ask, somebody asks them. So it's just word of mouth for about six or seven people in Swansea that I've got quite a good network of friends and they've got networks of friends. So if word gets around that way, then that's what I've been doing for the last couple of years. 
And I've just decided that with shooting less weddings next year, that I've got a bit more time on my hands. So I'm going to roll it out and start doing the children at home stuff, which is super exciting because it's just so much fun. So what is it? Tell me what it is. So it's, it's just children. It's family portraits, essentially. But carrying on the style from my weddings, there's nothing set up. So there's no posing or I won't ask them to do anything. And we just go out for a couple of hours or we stay at their house for a couple of hours. And I just go around and I have a cup of tea and I take my camera and I, I pick people off. And that's it, essentially. But it's done in a natural way. The children have to be doing what they would normally do. So if they like to play with Lego, then we get the Lego out. If they want to go for a walk down the park, because that's what they normally do as a family, then we go for a walk down the park. I just integrate myself into your family for a couple of hours, three or four hours. And it's not like a photo shoot as in a sense of, you know, I've got to get images done in an hour or I've got to get images done and I try and manipulate what's going on. If it takes a couple of hours for that child to sort of, because um, it's more about the kids, right? If it takes a couple of hours for them to sort of build trust and build confidence and we start after play building blocks, then we'll do that and I'll just pick them off as they're going along. Because I just think that it gives you a true reflection on what your child would be normally done, but just documented in a beautiful way, you know? And it seems to be going down really well. So I've taken six or eight bookings for January already since I announced it the other day. So people are interested, yeah. Is a plan to crack out the Hasselblad for this or is this all going to be digital? I'm not sure. Certainly the 35 mil. I think kids are just a bit too quick for the medium format in an inside space. That's, that's essentially <laughs> what that's But yeah, it would be lovely to do it. I'll certainly take it because I'm always looking for an opportunity to fire off the Hasselblad. So if there's a child that's particularly sort of responsive to me and I think I can get a shot, then yeah, I'll use it. But there'll be a lot of black and white 35 mil and maybe a bit of digital in there as well. And this is what I mean. I'm not discounting the digital. It's got its uses. I just want to move across to film and start producing beautiful work on that. And that's what it comes down to personal preference nice. i'm looking at a photo of you right now on your about page yeah. over at uh, craig-george.com and you're looking down the viewfinder of your hasselblad and you've got a camera bag or a shoulder bag yeah. it looks like a dom key or something like that on the side of the camera bag there's some text what's that that's couples that's my wedding couples Hang on. So just for the listener, if they can't see this at the moment, if they haven't got access to the internet. So you've got a shoulder bag and on the side of the shoulder bag, is, there's text. That was, it looks like a six or eight lines of copy written in black Sharpie or something. So what do you mean wedding couples? So at the end of the wedding, if I think it's gone especially well or if we've had a really nice connection, you know, you get sometimes you just really get on with clients and you think I'd like a friendship, if nothing else, you know, moving forward or you've just gone really well, then I ask them to sign my bag. So they put a bit of feedback on my bag. Oh, that is a cool idea. Yeah, it's quite nice, but it fills up pretty rapidly, and this one's already full, so I've had to stop doing it. But it, yeah, and people spot it throughout the day. And so in the first instance, it was, can you sign my bag? I'm starting a new thing. And they were like, what an amazing idea. So they just get a biro or a Sharpie, and they write a little note on there. And there's a bit of language on there at some points when <laughs> if people have a few, a few too many drinks. But it's nice because you get really good, honest feedback in that moment, you know? And it's just lovely. So it's just a little thing that I do. And now that it's started, people spot the bag throughout the day and they ask to do it by the end. So it's come around full circle that I don't have to ask them. They're, they're itching at the chance to write on my bag. So it's become a bit of a thing, which is quite a nice idea. I saw it somewhere. It's not my idea. I saw it somewhere and I thought that would be lovely to do. So I just started doing it. I love it. This is such a cool idea. So what's the plan now? Get another bag and start over again? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> 
Although it does, it seems to sort of fade. So maybe they can start overwriting and things like that. You know, it's not that I ever go back and read them because I can't make out what half of it says. But so maybe I'll just get people to overwrite and then it'll just become deeper and deeper and deeper. Maybe we'll go down that route. You know how you just told me then that this wasn't your idea? You know, you're quick to say, this wasn't my idea, I got it from somewhere else. How do you feel if, let's say someone takes this same idea and let's say there's someone listening in the UK right now and you turn up to, you might see them at a location in the UK when you're shooting a wedding and they've got a camera bag and they've got the bride and groom signing the camera bag and writing a message. Would that annoy you? No, not in the slightest. Why not? It's not mine, right? It's not my idea. And even if it is, it's the biggest form of flattery, right? What about if your local photographers started shooting film when they saw it was working for you? They didn't crack on because you can't, you can't ever take my photo. Do you know what I mean? It's, some of my closest friends in Swansea are wedding photographers. And there's never any question about what... I mean, I don't market myself in Swansea, so I don't really work here much. So it's probably, it might be a little bit easier for me to say if I'm being completely honest. But I never, I never worry about copying ideas or... I don't think you can these days. I think everything is everywhere. And it's so hard to to be different. But it doesn't matter because essentially nobody else can look through that viewfinder and my camera. And nobody else can write the words that I write unless they copy it verbatim. And then that's a different story. But, you know, nobody can speak the words that I speak when I'm on a call with a client or I'm doing a portrait session with them. or So that you can't. And I can't do the same to others. So you haven't got a choice, really. So, yeah, I don't worry about stuff like that, Andrew. I really don't. It's not something that I concern myself with. If I perceive somebody as copying my idea, one, I'm either a little bit big-headed and think it was my idea in the first place, and then I need to have a chat with myself, or, <laughs> or two, I see it as a flattery. It's not. You know, if somebody wants to emulate it, then they obviously loved it in the first place, right? So it's, it's only a good thing. Does anything bug you about the photography industry or the wedding photography industry? No, other than it's become so accessible. But that's a personal bugbear. I'm not angry or upset at anybody else apart from that. How dare I get upset because somebody's trying to make a living for themselves in the way that they're passionate about doing so? It's exactly what I did, so it would be very hypocritical for me to do that. So, no, I don't do that, but I get frustrated. And it's not frustration, it's more of a worry that the value is going to drop because of the amount of numbers of photographers that are coming in and being able to produce good work because of technology advances, you know. That's the only concern, but it's not something that annoys me, you know. Yeah, okay. Let me take you full circle to finish off. You know, you made this decision to go film, you're feeling... I don't want to say jaded, but you sort of fell over the whole the, the shooting digital thing and the way it was going. You make the decision to go film. How are you feeling personally now? I'm looking forward to a little bit of time off in January and February, if I'm honest. But what about the wedding season and shooting next year? Now it's going to be a whole, it's, like it's a brand new thing going into shooting film. How does that make you feel? Yeah, I'm super excited about it. I mean, I've got some wicked trips. I'm in Paris a lot. And I've got some amazing shoots coming up in Paris next year. I'm going to Venice. So Venice is going to be incredible. So I'm pumped. Do you know what I mean? I'm super excited about the whole thing. And I want the challenge. That's essentially where I want to come from. But, you know, when I say I want the challenge, I'm not going to let my clients down, obviously. And they will get beautiful bits of work. I just want to feel self-satisfied in what I'm producing. And I just think the way that I can do that is to get good at film and start producing bits of work that sets me apart from everybody else. And I can take a bit of pride in that. That's it. Do you think the way you feel the end of this year before you go into the next season, is that different to how you felt 12 months ago? about going into this season? I was in a very different personal space at the beginning of last season, so it's hard to differentiate between the personal and 
the business because to me it's all encompassing. It, you know, my work is a reflection of where I am personally, emotionally. But yes, I got through a hell of a year this year and I'm super proud of that and I'm super proud of the work that I've produced and it's been amazing and I'm super stoked about next year. I'm more excited about this year coming up creatively. I was more excited about this past year, 2016, because of the amount I was doing. It was a personal challenge on logistics and testing myself in that sense. So moving forward, it's testing myself in a creative sense. So it's a different challenge, but yeah, it's still a challenge. And that's what I have to set up for each year coming up. Nice. Mate, this has been a real pleasure. And as always, I love following your work and seeing what you're up to and producing, mate. It's awesome. Where is the best place for the listener to go and check out your work and particularly the new stuff, you know, all the stuff that's going to be coming out in the new year? So just the website, dude, just on Craig George and Instagram and on the website. That's where I spend most of my time socially. Cool. So it's craig-george.com. I'll add links to that and also the YouTube channel and Instagram account in the show notes, mate. Thank you again. It's been a real pleasure, Craig. It's been my pleasure again, Andrew. Thank you very much for having me back on. I thought I was lucky to get away with asking you once, but when you offered to do the second time, yeah. <laughs> that's a nice little tick box. That means that I'm genuinely on photo physics now rather than um, <laughs> <laughs> we're angling my way in the first time. <laughs> Thanks, Craig. It's a pleasure. It's a pleasure, Andrew. Thank you. That's it for this episode of the podcast. A big thanks to you, Craig, for coming on. If you're listening and sharing what you did, uh, I am looking forward to following your progress. I love what you're doing with video, with your photography, uh, your style, everything, mate. It, it sounds awesome. I'm looking forward to following your journey. And again, thanks for coming on and sharing what you did. For you, the listener, if you want to check out more from Craig, I've got links to anything and everything that he mentioned in the show notes. I've also got examples of his work and a link to the video that I referred to and we talked about in the interview as well. You can find the show notes at photobizx.com forward slash TPX17. And at the very bottom of the show notes, you'll find the comments area. If you've got a follow-up question for Craig, if you want to ask him something about that transition to film, about his video work, whatever. If you, if you just want to say thanks for coming on the show, then by all means, use the comments area there. I know I would love to read them and see them, and I'm sure Craig would as well. All right, and lastly, a big thanks to Snap the photography festival slash workshop slash seminar slash party with a difference for sponsoring today's episode. Go and check them out over at snapphotofestival.com and remember to use the promo code SNAP100 to save 100 British pounds off the cost of your tickets. Thanks again to Snap. All right, have an awesome week and I'll chat to you soon. Bye for now. You've been listening to the Photo Experiment Podcast with Andrew Helmich, brought to you by PhotoBizX, the podcast to help you build a successful portrait and wedding photography business. To learn more, head to photobizx.com.